<laughs> hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Metro Buzz, where we bring leaders of Middle Tennessee on to just to tell a little bit about their stories and what they do. And today, as I always say, we've got a great show for you. We've got Vernon Rose coming on. She's the executive director of, Nash, of Nashville General Hospital Foundation. And we're excited to kind of talk about her story a little bit, how she got to where she's at, and also the foundation and just see where this goes. So Vernon, welcome to the show. Yes, Thank you, welcome. Chris. And Sandy, just delighted to be here. And we're you know, excited to have you on. Yes. And every episode, I always like to start out this way. And I hate to have to start out. Maybe one day I won't have to, but right wow. now I do. As you know, COVID is affecting everybody. So yes. how has COVID affected you? And what are some of the things that you've done to kind of maneuver through this crazy maze? So uh, if that's okay with you, that sounds like a two-part question of how yeah. does it affect me personally and how does it affect me professionally? Does that work yeah. for you all? Mm -hmm. that, that, that'd be fine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So personally, um, I would say the biggest shift, and we were talking about older people before we went live, my mother's 92 mm. and, a, and a, a pretty independent person. But um, she's also now in incredibly isolated, as you can imagine. Like everybody yeah. else in America, there's no surprise. So, you know, I talked to, before COVID, I would talk to my mother often, but now it's pretty much every single day. Wow. And, you know, mm -hmm. part of it is sincerely making sure she's okay. Sure. And we're yeah. need. But the other part is just the socialization. Mm -hmm. um, people mm -hmm. go a day and not talk to anybody. And that's not healthy. Um, yeah. right. I can't help but think about, you know, the people I was driving home last night and I saw a lady that was probably, probably she was older than mother. She had to been walking to her mailbox oh. on my street and, mm -hmm. and straining to get to her mailbox. It's not, you know, it's not a very long walk, right? but that's probably her only activity outside of her house now. Yeah. And it, but it scared her to death if I'd stopped and said, how are you doing? And I thought it might, <laughs> but yeah. it's, I think it's trying to, so personally, it's how do you extend yourself, you know, appropriately, you know, mm. those that are really up a creek, which is in a way how what we're going to talk about is professionally how things changed, gosh, a year ago. Mm. Um, yes. So the professional part, a <clears throat> little bit of a story. So can I can I go backwards before I go forward? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So the point of the National General Hospital Foundation is our role is to serve the needs of the patients, their families, and our staff um, that are here at our facility. So that's our primary role. And so in realizing that role, and this was a couple of years ago, starting with our oncology patients, and so I'll, I'll give you a kind of a quick fact. Yeah. You're diagnosed mm -hmm. with cancer, and let's say you weigh 150 pounds, okay? And they go, you're going to need chemotherapy. And you go, okay. And they're going to say, your chemotherapy is based on you being 150 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very narrow. It's very narrow. <coughs> yeah. She went through that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I the next thing they say is don't lose weight. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had one of the council people, her, her mother went through this and the exactly same thing. You've got cancer. And they said to her, don't lose weight. And they looked at each other and thought, well, this is something we know how to do. Um, but it turned out not to be true. So not losing weight when you're going through chemotherapy and cancer 
that's a bit of that's that's a that's a tall hill to climb. Yeah, yes. it is. Yes. And but it's essential because if it goes on, if you lose too much, then you end up with toxicity and then you have to stop your chemotherapy, recalibrate, you might start all over again. Wow. It's where you don't want to be. So it's not like it's a nice thing to do. It's an essential part of your therapy. So you can't really gain weight and you can't really lose weight. So you gotta maintain that point. Yes. You got it, Chris. Sandy's been there, so she knows. Yeah, well, she was 19 when she had yes, it was Oh, my God. And 20. Then, oh. you know. Well, I'm glad you're still here. Oh, Me no. too. Thank you. Our yes, kids I are happy, too. Eight months of chemo, and I'm still oh. here. Yes, oh, wow. Well, God bless you. Yeah, and they told her that she probably wouldn't have kids, and we got two. We have two, a boy oh. and a girl. <laughs> 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 and, and the crazy thing about her story is, um, you know, back back then, if if they got all the cancer, they still expected you to do radiation. Yeah, she so refused. Because, and they time. told her they give her two years to live. If you don't do radiation, you're not going to live. Uh -huh. and, and this was twenty twenty two years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> she knew if she did radiation, the odds are then there's no kids. That's never going to happen. So she's yeah. like, she would rather take that risk so that one day she could have the kids. Yes. God, here we are. You write that down for those little bitty ones that won't take a nap right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so you get the story. So yes. we started the food pharmacy originally specifically for cancer patients. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it, the point of it was that with that diagnosis, there are things you should or could eat, things that work for you. I mean, so it, it might be insurer. We have a lot of head and yeah. neck cancer patients here. So mm -hmm. soft foods were essential. So we were trying to build a, a support for those patients not to lose weight but yeah. to also give them something that made sense nutritionally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the good news is, well, this would have been two years ago, but and I don't have the number for December right now, but um, after two years of doing that, we did not have one patient with toxicity. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. So it, tells you, so it tells you that if you know how to address this nutritionally, it, it, it can work. So yeah. then it, like, we need to expand this. So <clears throat> another little factoid. I'm full of factoids. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. <laughs> 60 to 65 to 68% of the senior population in Davidson County has chronic disease. Wow. Oh, wow. And it, it, that's, it's hard to wrap your head around, isn't it? It is. So, all right. Chronic disease, hypertension, diabetes, COPD, heart disease. Okay. What's bad is we both would be in that category because she's got diabetes and I got high blood pressure. Uh, that's so true. There you are. Mm -hmm. So you're you're within the realm of every all of your neighbors. Congratulations. <laughs> 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 so as we look to exclude the food pharmacy and we looked at our patients, so 40% of the patients that come to National General cannot pay for their health care. Wow. Oh, wow. So that will tell you that that is a population that is already challenged with getting, and it's not a question of, of just having food, it's a yeah. question of getting the right food. Mm -hmm. Nashville, in, I would say, in, in the most loving way, Nashville is a very generous city, and we have a plethora, in a good way, of yeah. food pantries, mm -hmm. or to get food, or overnight places to get food. The challenge mm -hmm. is, and if you've ever 
you know, volunteered or put food in a food box, you're, you're, you're putting in there what somebody could buy, purchase, donate, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not necessarily, I'm not saying it isn't, I'm saying it's not necessarily low sodium, mm-hmm. low carb, mm-hmm. or any of the things that 68% of the people we serve should be eating. Yeah. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So all of that continuum to what we now call the food pharmacy. And the food pharmacy basically says, okay, Chris and Sandy, y'all got two different diagnoses. If you came to the food pharmacy here, you would be coming with a prescription for a food tote, five days, no cost food. In your food tote, one is going to be focused on low sodium and one's going to be focused on low carb. And you you can actually walk in, choose things from the shelf. But the other thing that was different about what we were doing, it's not just that the shelf stable items, it was mm-hmm. what was there. And if you look on our site, there's a picture of it. It's like you walk into a grocery store and you have you at the grocery store. And the first thing you see is the produce coolers with yeah. the shelves and all that. Yeah. So we have, we bought one of those with a grant. Oh, wow. And, and that's always stocked. And so, but the goal is, is that we're looking for nutrient dense vegetables. Sort of like, mm-hmm. okay, what's that? Okay. So it's the difference between a white onion and a red onion, red onion nutrient dense. It's the difference between uh-huh. a white potato, Idaho, and a sweet potato, nutrient dense sweet potato. So mm-hmm. um, dark red bell peppers rather than green. I mean, carrots. So when you look, it's apples and oranges and sweet potatoes and all of these very vibrant that gives you the clue that what you're looking at is nutrient dense foods. Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody comes in, they can choose that. They can choose self, self, shelf, ah, stable. Sorry about that. So that was the beginnings of the food pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So then the tornado hits almost a year ago, right? Oh, it is a year. Oh, ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the food, the tornado hits, and if you remember at that time, you remember how every church in Nashville, it was awesome, mm-hmm. bring stuff yeah. to the church, and it was cleaning supplies and food and you know, anything and everything. And you could go to a church, at least in North Nashville, practically anywhere and get what you need. Right. And the tornado hit three blocks. I'm putting at my window, three blocks behind me. Oh, wow. Oh, that's close. That's really close to you. Yeah. Very close. So for, and it's still true. I still look at, I hate to tell you roofs with blue tarps, but when the next day when we're seeing all this, it was, you know, broken trees and no tarps and, but okay. So then think about the timing. It wasn't maybe two to three weeks later and we're doing all this and we've got COVID. Yeah. And then COVID hits. Mm. You just have to close. So on my board is this awesome man, Reverend Enoch Fuzz. It's hard for me to even describe and I, I tell him this, but it, I really do believe this. It's, he's a man that walks with God. I don't know how to describe it. He's right. always think, he's always thinking about somebody else wow. and how to make things better for always. What can I do to make something better for somebody else? And whether that's you know, you know, civil dis- disobedience or crime in the neighborhood or food pharmacy or the guy's amazing. Now, just so you know, we do have a. That we're launching this year an event, a 40 over 40 event. 
You know, exactly. as you know, everybody does 40 under 40, 30. Yes. Under, no, nobody hits our generation. <laughs> and so we're going to do a 40 over 40. And if people go to the MetroBuzz.com site, they can nominate people. They they, if that person's over 40, you might want to nominate him. Yes. I'm gonna, I will. I am going to. Because, because what we're looking for is people that's done great things in their career, but also great things in the community. We want we yes. want it to be the best of the best out there. So that we can recognize those individuals. Well, he's, he's, he's a, <laughs> we could talk the rest of the hour about him. But anyway, <laughs> so I called him because the churches had all closed and we had stopped seeing patients because of COVID. So we had to close our doors except for inpatient. But the mm-hmm. clinic was closed. So I had this food on the shelves. So I called him and I said, I've got this food on the shelves and the churches are closed. And he said, well, Vernon, people are coming up to my door and knocking on my door. They don't have any food. I said, OK, you've got a need. I've got food. The one thing I don't have is volunteers to get this food out of here. Wow. I said, mm-hmm. I can get somebody to come to my back dock. As long as I have money to pay for food, I'll put it in somebody's car. How are we going to do this? And he <laughs> called, it wasn't two hours. He called me back and he said, Vernon. The way he talked to Vernon. <laughs> he said, I have got the um, West Nashville Police Community Outreach Officers team and they're going to deliver food. And oh, there wow. were like 24 of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and he said, I've got some folks from my church. And, and at the same time, because our volunteers that we normally have inside the hospital couldn't do that. So all of a sudden we had a volunteer workforce who said, we will do this. Oh, cool. Oh, that's so amazing. It launched, it launched like the 6th of March. So mm-hmm. just a couple of days away, but if it's 12 month anniversary and the names were coming for it. So this is, so it, it just was who has food insecurity. We'll get it to you. And so because it was COVID, we weren't walking into anybody's home, right? Yeah. We were going yeah. to a doorstep or a, a front door or whatever we were going to. And so, and, the, and then we just said, we started saying to like Jefferson, Jefferson Street Baptist Church, Reverend Fuzz, people were texting him names, Bishop Dunlap, Haynes Middle School, which is the one behind me, um, and Churchwell are behind me. They're caseworkers. We started uh, working with their caseworkers to get family food because there was no food. Sorry, I'm going to make Okay, okay. And um, so... Churches, nurses, um, neighbors, um, Metro Nashville, uh, the public health department, they've got social workers. And it was, and they were, they heard about us just through the grapevine because we didn't advertise. We're just like, we're doing this oh, wow. for as long as we have the money to do it and we'll figure it out. And that's, and we've been doing it ever since. So as of the end of, so every food tote with what's in there is about 16 meals. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so we figured out from March 6th through December 31st, um, we had delivered um, to over 200,000 meals. Wow. It's, oh, wow. It's mostly, and it, it's mostly in Davidson County, unless I can find a volunteer who will drive or a nurse who's going yeah. to the county. Um, only because there's enough need here. There are other resources outside. Yeah. And, and Makes well, sense. In the early stages, the volunteers were like, do you know how far it is to get to Murray County? And I went, 
So, you know, we go to Antioch, but try, we try not to go any further. We're like, we're trying not to go to Murfreesboro, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. we do have nurses that live down there. So if we get that, we'll say on your way home. We'll oh, well. So where we are now is, is we, we sent out postcards this summer, just going, we, uh, news channel five, Lynn Plantigo, who's the station manager said, she'd been watching this because we want to help. They did a three week campaign for us. And we got match. We got four people who would match dollar for dollar people who would give money. And so that's sustained us since then. So that's, that's kind of our, that's the food pharmacy story. We, Mm -hmm. we, we also, again, have a response to need. So you so again, think of our population. That means that if you walk in here and you don't have money for your health care, there's a good chance you don't have $5 copay for your medication. That's true. That's true. Very true. So it used to be, before I got here, which I've only been here four years, used to be that if you came to the emergency room and you needed an antibiotic, they would literally pass the hat among the nurses or whatever. And, you know, that's not a sustainable process over time. Yeah. Yeah. Doing it for inpatients and, you know, wherever it was, Mrs. Jones doesn't have the $5. And so they would figure out through whatever they'd give her the $5. So now what we have is we raise money for the medications fund. So we do, I'm trying to, I wish I could tell because this is one number I don't have off the top of my head. We started it in January and um, I should have, done better prep. But anyway, we've done a couple of thousand um, for patients and it's anything from a copay. And the goal is because there's good long-term medical support for patients in our community, but there is that gap. So if I go to the emergency room and I've got pneumonia, what I really need is an antibiotic. Well, I don't need a long-term solution. I need antibiotics right now. So we Mm -hmm. pay for that. If I come in first appointment, and I'll, this is this is actually a real circumstance. We had a lady, and she ended up as a, one of our food pharmacy spokesmen. She's awesome. Um, Sixty-eight years old now, um, was feeling lousy and, and just worse and worse, and um, came to the emergency room. That's how bad she was feeling, and mm. it turned out that she was diabetic, but she hadn't seen a healthcare provider in in decades. Wow. Oh, she had diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that circumstance, there is a long term resource in Nashville for diabetic supplies, but she needed that window. So yeah. we that window and then we tied her into um, the clinics. The clinics did nutrition counseling and diabetic counseling. They tied her into the food pharmacy. And so. Mm-hmm. And she's she's absolutely adorable. And she, I was down there one day, and um, she and John were he he's kind of like y'all one diabetic, one hypertensive. Okay, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> they had their tote, and they'd been to class, and it was really great because they were going around the room, and and so there's in, in one corner there's a choice between um, dried beans in a bag, like you see. Or there was can that had beans. 
but they weren't low sodium. And John had just been to class. So the person who's taking her in, I'm just watching. And John goes, now how much sodium is in this? And what's the difference per serving? And uh -huh. so forth. And, and it's, so, I, so I said, well, so how are y'all going to fix those dried beans? Now, so she, this is, so this is the conversation. <laughs> well, I used to, y'all are too young, but um, <laughs> she was referencing her grandmother, which would have been my grandmother's age. She goes, well, if I'd done it like my grandmother, it would have had salt pork or some sort of processed oh. meat. Yes, mm -hmm. you know, for flavor, maybe onion right. in there, but tons and tons of sodium. And mm -hmm. I, I said, so what are you doing now? So she turned around. Remember the cooler I told you about? Mm -hmm. so there's the cooler and she goes, so she started pointing to things in the cooler, like the carrots and the red onion and everything that was in there. Oh. She goes, now I make my veggie chili. And she points to everything that's in this cooler that's going into this chili that she's making and all the flavor, no, no salt. And oh, so okay. looks at me and he goes, how come there's no fresh garlic? And I went, well, John, I don't know. And he said, you've got to have fresh garlic. I went, we're going to get fresh garlic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there because he said you can't. And he's right. <clears throat> if you're trying to seek flavor in some other way. Yeah. Yes. You need something else like garlic or cinnamon. Yeah. I had a patient. A different patient she made the tour her bag was nearly empty and i'm like I said you didn't pick out anything she goes well i don't like oatmeal i'm not a great fan of oatmeal either so it wasn't like i was going to talk her into it but right. i said but i said but i said let's consider this so again coolers behind her and we had at the time which we couldn't get during covid we had um we had gotten for a dollar those shakers that are at six dollars in the grocery store with cinnamon in them you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, on the spice aisle yeah. for a dollar from a source. So I said, um, Miss Sally, I said, all right, now consider. So there were fresh apples on the shelf. I said, so if you took the water for your oatmeal and I said, cut up, take one of those apples. We had um, no sugar applesauce that was available and we had the cinnamon. I said, if you took all of that and put it in the water, and let that cook a little bit and then put your oatmeal in. I said, what would that be? She goes, oh, wow. she goes, and there's no sugar and there's no salt. Oh, wow. And it tastes great. It's not, oh, it's, wow. you're one step away from a cinnamon raisin cookie, except you don't have to put the raisins in, but it was that yeah. thing of, so that, okay. So, but that's kind of like the, the medications fund and the food pharmacy fund and that mm -hmm. we've been working on. Um, the other big project, and we started this two years ago, and then COVID, bam. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and so, all right, so I'm going to give you ready for another factoid? Yes, <laughs> give it to us. Yeah. Okay. You have to listen to this carefully because it sounds like a double negative. Okay. <laughs> okay. 12% of the United States population, adult population, is health literate. So that means 88% is health illiterate. Oh, wow. That's means a huge percent. It, it's like everybody you know, right? Yeah. So then the question is, what does that mean? And what's the impact? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so health literacy, by the, I'm going to give you the most narrow definition. Health literacy is your ability to take healthcare instructions Mm. that you get from your pharmacist or your doctor or a nurse practitioner or a caseworker or wherever you're getting it from and that you can actually understand and manage your health care with those instructions that you understand oh, wow. the fullness. Mm -hmm. And 
you understand the ramifications. And so it has not everything to do with illiteracy because yeah. obviously 88% of the U.S. population is not illiterate. But I'll yeah. give you some points. I'm going to use me. So in doing the research on this, and, and I'll tell you the impact on health illiteracy is into the billions of dollars. And so I'm going to explain why. Are y'all with me so far? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're listening. We're listening. Okay. So in doing the research, I found this meme on the internet. Okay. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, so, and I, I, so picture if you can, there's a, a, a it's a, it's a, like a cartoon drawing. And what yeah. it is on this cartoon drawing is what it would be as if I had gone to my kitchen drawer and I had pulled out all the teaspoons in my kitchen drawer. I'm older than y'all. And I've probably had, four sets of different silver in my life. So I don't have, when you're talking about a teaspoon out of my kitchen drawer, mm -hmm. I mean, it goes from this to this. I mean, it, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. what's a teaspoon? <laughs> and so the, the, the concept of this cartoon was when the doctor or the label on the medication that's in liquid form says, take one teaspoon and I go to my kitchen drawer and I pull out a teaspoon out of my kitchen drawer, have I appropriately medicated myself? Hmm. And the answer uh, is no. Mm -hmm. At least in my drawer. I'm going to only talk about my drawer. Yes. My drawer and take a real teaspoon that's mm. part of your measuring spoon set. And if I take that and start pouring it into my teaspoons, I was over, from the smallest, obviously, to the biggest, I was mm -hmm. over medicating myself. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The difference there. Yeah. The difference. And so when the doctor mm. says, take a teaspoon of this, and he's yes. talking to a drug rep that says, this is what a teaspoon will do. And mm -hmm. the manufacturer tells the drug rep, the teaspoon is the right dose to do X, Y, or Z. And I'm taking a teaspoon and a half to two. Oh, mm. yeah. Okay. So well, the next time I get difference. sick, and they tell me to take a teaspoon and for, you know, for 10 years, I've been taking two teaspoons. What I say that the over medication of myself has this ripple effect. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the simplest example. And so now I'm going to give you a, a, a more serious example. So I told you about Reverend Fuzz and it's been on the news. So I'm not doing a HIPAA violation. He's been, a, there's been a series of stories. He got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Mm -hmm. wow. year, and he's doing well. So let me start with he's doing really well. He's not over the hump, but okay. In the articles, he's he's doing so much better. Okay. So you're talking about uh you're talking about a well-educated man, delivers sermons, highly articulate, and he gets cancer. So and Sandy, you get this, you feel awful. Yes. So and it's you know, thinking straight's not part of your vocabulary sometimes. That's right. So, and he he lost his wife earlier, so he's by himself. He's got a daughter, oh, but wow. because of oh. COVID and she had a baby, she couldn't come in the house. Mm. So think about all this. So he's alone, and he calls me and he goes, he goes for and so he's at home and he goes for and I got so you talk about a guy who maybe took an aspirin every once in a while, and he said I got all and this will sound I got all these medications that have mm. unpronounceable names, and he said yeah. he said. I'm not sure I can remember what they're for. He said, no. I'm not sure I know which one is for pain and which one, and this is on the early on. And so mm -hmm. he's going, and is this, is this with milk or is this with food or this is on an empty stomach? And, and it's, that's health illiteracy. And it's not that he's in the least bit illiterate because he's not. Yeah. yeah we, we get that. Mm -hmm. 
so in so what we're trying to do along with 50 other organizations in Nashville, y'all join us. We had a health literacy forum last October that was virtual. Mm-hmm. And the conversation was, what can we collectively, not just the 48 of us, mm-hmm. yeah. what can we collectively do to address health illiteracy for our community? Yeah. We, yeah. Had, we had speakers from all over the country, Rutgers oh, wow. University, St. Louis, Missouri, Washington, D.C., of what they're doing or what they've worked on or what worked for them. We had chat rooms, breakouts with people, um, with the party setting. And so that drove, and so that's going to drive the second, I think still virtual health literacy forum in early summer. We don't have a date yet, but there's a steering committee. And the, and the point is that we can't let go of this Mm -hmm. because if you look at all the stats, there's like, survival and surgery, you have a, a greater chance of, of surgery recovery if your health literacy factors are over the norm, like well over the norm. Yeah, That's she went through a major surgery last year. Yes, I had a 14-pound fibroid removed, total hysterectomy oh my last God. year. Oh yes. My you're, you're, you're a walking miracle. And the crazy part is, you know, before all that, you know, we had first we had little Chris back when nine years ago. Yes. He's in nine. 2012. And um, they said she had a fibroid in. It was small. Yeah, it was small. And, and they said it should come exactly. out. Yeah, but she knew she wanted more kids. And she also yeah. knew that if you take it out, they're probably going to come back. Yes. So we didn't worry about it. Yep. Then we get pregnant with Caitlin. In 2018, and, and yeah. Caitlin had to make room because oh, the fibroid done got bigger. Yeah, but so it was still was like half or more of the uterus. And at, at the time. end of that um, pregnancy with Caitlin, her legs swell up so bad oh, that God. that they were le- they were seeping. Yes, and and I, I we weeping. never or weeping. We never weeping heard of that. Much. We went to the ER because we thought. You know, hey, something's really wrong here. You know, and they were just, they they were, it was so tight. And I mean, she couldn't walk hardly. I had to help her. Uh, And then Caitlin is born through C-section and all that. And then, and then we don't think that we still know there's a fibroid in there. Yeah. Didn't think it would get that much bigger. Everything shrunk. And then all of a sudden last year, it just ballooned. Like I was nine months pregnant again they said it was the size of a full-term pregnancy well or, and then some <laughs> yes and then some well caitlin was 10 pounds six ounces yes oh, so wow. that was 14 pounds <laughs> yeah, so, so caitlin had to make room for the, for herself and this big old fibroid but yeah <laughs> oh my gosh but she's here you know we had some yeah. scares through it's this last scary. couple of years but mm-hmm. The baby, uh, baby's two years old now, doing fine. She's Healthy. doing fine. So. Yes. Sandy's doing fine too, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, yes. Doing okay. well at good. this point. Good. Good. So will you get everything I'm saying? Then it's it's that. And then, so now think about y'all and the resources that you have, you have accessibility to. Okay. And the physicians you have accessibility to. Oh, yes. So. So the health, so what we're doing now, so the question is, is what are we doing about health literacy? So a couple of things. So we're going to do the health literacy forum 
and we've got a steering committee and we're working on who the speakers are and so forth. So yeah. that first steering committee meeting is next Tuesday, I think. Okay. Then here, the foundation, we got a grant. We actually got two grants. So the first grant, go back to our oncology patients. Mm -hmm. So because of the challenges of what we learned from Reverend Fuzzin in general is and a whole thing about the cancer on committee and health literacy and better outcomes. A lot of it does tie back to improved patient understanding of how they deal with what they're dealing with. Yeah. You can go from an aspirin, right. Or never having anything to, I've got cancer and I don't even know what, what this means wow. or how to take care of myself. Yeah. Right. Right. I've That's seen a lot of people true. do that. Mm -hmm. So we, we're creating a, an, an eight part, um, topic kit, I guess, because we don't really have a name for it yet, but that's what it is. And it'll deal with cancer. Like cancer. a mini series. Yeah. So these will be um, easy to read and they'll be in Spanish, English and Farsi, which oh. is our patient population. And the topic, I can't do all eight off the top of my head, but you know, <laughs> nutrition, COVID-19, pain management, system management, understanding about procedures, like mm -hmm. a port or not a port. And, you know, yeah. who the heck even knew, you know, before you have cancer, you think of ports where you put a boat. I mean, you know, exactly. It's, yeah. You don't know what that is and, until that point. It's a whole different language. And so we're trying to do easy to read. So, um, so we're creating that topic. There'll be eight of those. Well, wow. to that, um, that'll be inserted into the food pharmacy totes. And we started this. Um, so we've started this series. There'll be ultimately a series of 24 topics. Oh, wow. We've got 12 kind of, outlined so far let me see if i can get into a word talk to y'all and do word at the same time <laughs> how about that okay so um, are y'all still there yep. yes we're here okay because okay, i can't see you but that's okay all right no, we're here okay so um <clears throat> the food tote insert so the the first one we did last week was about medications management mm -hmm. you know literally from the thing we learned from reverend fuss right okay so the one that we're doing for next week, and it'll go into food totes for two straight weeks because we don't repeat totes necessarily except every two weeks. So that if somebody got something this week, it might be two weeks and then they'll get the new in topic. Okay. So this is a big one that we heard from some of the insurance providers and we were saying, what are the topics that matter? How does somebody make a decision when they're feeling lousy to go to an emergency room, an urgent care site, a a walk-in site, their primary care do, or doctor, or if they don't have one, what are they supposed to do? Oh wow, that's wow. that is a that's a pretty complex. Yeah, it is. Right? It is. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be one of the. So we're we're doing it, and it could mean life or death. Exactly. Exactly. You know, what kind of pain? How much? And it's like, do I take an ambulance or not? So that's a pretty deep subject. So we're going to address that and we might come back to it later and do more information. The next one that we're doing is going to be five things to know about the COVID vaccine, because that's a very complex issue, you know, yeah. it keeps changing. And then the next one is five simple changes you can make to eat healthier. And the one after that is <laughs> how to read medicine labels and follow instructions. Yeah, that's important. That's very important. And then and then one that's come up pretty much from everybody we talked to is and it's called get the most out of your doctor's visit. But what that means is when I go to see the doctor, 
give me something to ask him. So I'm not just sitting there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because that's what yeah. a lot of people do. The doctor said, ask him, you nod your head. She's good at asking. And sometimes you'll find something on the internet and ask and, you know, and yeah. it really doesn't make it, you know, you know, you find anything on the internet, right. but, but just to be safe, you know, <laughs> so sometimes you can research to too much yeah. and then you find things you're like, okay, now I'm dying. And you think <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's, you know, so that's kind of, so that's kind of what we're focused on is, so what our hope is, and you know, you never know. Mm. One of the things that when we did the forum in October, as a group, the people that were participating, what we kind of realized was, and, the, and there's a whole lot of research. I won't give you more factoids, but I'll give you that the, when COVID-19 came out, you know, there was all kinds of research about all kinds of things around COVID. One of the ones that you kept seeing pop up starting at about June or July and is still going on for different things is the impact of misinformation around COVID. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> which understandably, I don't care what your politics are. It doesn't really matter. You could go to five different places and get five different answers. That's you true. Do what you're saying That's anymore. So, true. Mm -hmm. so, um, so where, but what that, what's happened with all that is all it's done is it has bred a huge bubble of distrust about any of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Since I can't verify any of it. I trust none of it, which is a logical conclusion. But for the people that we serve, that is a bad place to be. And also one of our topics is, is how do I know that stuff I'm getting on the internet is the right stuff when I'm looking at healthcare? So like that's what I was just saying. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our topics that's going to be in one of our sheets is how do I know I'm getting the right information? And mm -hmm. we're working with the St. Louis group on that one. So, but what we found consistently is, especially when you're dealing with um, minority populations mm -hmm. is they don't buy any of it. Yeah. Yes. And so, and that becomes a dangerous situation for everyone. And if you look at the rate of vaccinations around pneumonia, and influenza before this, anybody had ever heard of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. They were extremely low anyway mm -hmm. in African-American and Hispanic populations. They weren't all that great to begin with. Okay. And so, you know, there is a mountain, Mount Everest to climb to, mm -hmm. to work with that lack of trust and get those vaccinations. And people are coming up with good solutions. I think things are better than they were even four weeks ago. But it kind of gives you an idea of, why does health literacy matter? And in my limited non-clinical opinion, COVID-19, if we had a population of, of Americans that instead of being 12%, you know, literate, health literate, mm -hmm. if, if we were even 48% literate, COVID-19 would not have taken hold the way it has. Wow. Because wow. people would have gotten the right information, would have understood the information they were getting, could make their own decisions based on the information they were getting and would know what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Instead of where we are right now with yep. thousands and thousands of people who've lost their lives and thousands of people who are health compromised indefinitely. And, you know, and heaven knows, I don't know when they'll ever c calculate the isolation factor and the depression factor 
for yeah, I think that's going to be bigger than, you know, because that was always my fear when they started yeah, shutting everything we down. Is, that. oh, you know, you don't want nobody to die. But on the other hand, you also, you know, it's, it's a balancing act. It's like, you know, both sides what, on the political view, they, they're they so extreme. And I was like, there's got to be a middle ground here because you can't just be all all shut down. Then you got you. Got, then you're gonna have all these suicides and depression and all that. So yeah, there's got to be. But nobody wants to meet in the middle and say, "Okay, let's let's discuss this from the middle point of view." Yeah. So one of the um, partners, um, and if y'all ever want to interview anybody, Tom Starling mm -hmm. at uh, Mental Mid. Oh, come here, I'm gonna get this wrong. I will. I will send you how to find him. Um, okay. But uh, Mental Health Mid Tennessee, I think is. Um, Probably he's executive director, smart guy, has a lot to say. So mm -hmm. if you want to explore that topic with him, he's awesome. Oh, wow. oh we would love to. Yeah, definitely yeah, send over his info. Very talented, knows a lot, and is a good source. So passing mm -hmm. on, passing on <laughs> your next interview if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so kind of that's what we do. There's only two of us that work here. Oh um, wow. Um, there's everything else volunteers. And everything, yeah. And then, so I have a volunteer coordinator, and Kate pretty much does all the interface with. So we used to have volunteers inside the hospital. She does all the recruitment and interface with the food pharmacy, and sending them out in the world. And so she, we have volunteers that come in and pack totes, and then volunteers that come to the back um, dock and put totes in their trunk and take them away. And so Kate does that, plus helps me, and then I do like the programming, like we've talked about and, you know, trying to build the health literacy forum and raise money and, you know, whatever it takes, you know, you know, wash the bottles, sweep the floors, you know, arrange flowers, whatever you want me. <laughs> you know, I always like to talk about the teams and I, you know, you just talked about her and, and I guess the team for you is more of the volunteer team. So if you want to take a few moments too, just to tell us about the teams of volunteer teams or, a few people that's kind of stepped up to the plate and you're like, and kind of wild. Oh gosh. Well, okay. So the obvious part is, so when we had, we had Metro police from um, March through May. And then when COVID, the community COVID started kind of like opened up a little bit in June, they had to go back to their regular jobs. So they would come and help us for a couple of hours and then they had to. So in the meantime, Katie had been recruiting. So we have 95 volunteers um yeah. and some come every week and some come once a month and some come when they can and mm -hmm. um and the we get them from hands-on nashville um we get them because of a church we get them because wow. volunteer a brings his buddy you know or whoever that might be and um so so i'll i'll give you i was and this is not morbid because it was a celebration funeral. So let me start by saying we, I was at a funeral <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago and was um, standing obviously at, at church, standing with somebody obviously that I knew and I hadn't seen in a while. And um, so we're catching up. And so I asked her about her husband and his name is Wilfred. So we're having this chat and she goes, he's retired, plays golf. And so at the time we were trying to recruit Volunteers, we have a, we used to because of COVID, we can't do it right now. But because of the situation of the hospital, it is a very long walk from the parking deck 
where the elevators don't run. We don't own it, but our patients use it. It's a long walk from the fourth floor of the parking deck to our front door, and very, especially in the summer. And if you've got diabetes in a bad way, you can imagine how unpleasant yeah. that's going to be. Oh, so mm-hmm. we, had, we have a six-person um, golf cart. Oh, wow. Well. And so I was trying to find golfers who didn't play golf every day. <laughs> Seriously, so we'd come drive this car. So I said, would, would Wilford like to come do this? And she goes, well, I'll ask him. So he, Wilford came. Um, he ended up recruiting a whole bunch of other people. And <laughs> so when we had to shut down um, a year ago because of COVID, um, he said, okay, I, I got to take a break, but I'm going to come back. And so he comes and delivers food totes for us. And he's right. as recruited other people. So that's how we got Wilford. I was sending in a funeral line, but we have hands on Nashville, oh, wow. whatever. So, um, so, so I'm going to give you, a, 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 do you mind an email address? Okay. So if somebody emails food, F O O D, at Nashville, H A, like ham apples, H A dot org, that email address will do one of two things. Somebody can, Say my next door neighbor has got it's got food insecurity. There's a family of four. So if somebody gives me the name of the person of the household, a working phone number, a delivery address with the zip code, and how many people are in the household, we will add them to the food delivery. And because we know that people's circumstances change, we do it once and then try to determine between either the person or or the person who, who suggests them. Yeah. Is this a one shot deal or what is this? Because we just don't automatically keep dropping food off to people. Yeah. The second thing that will do is it will um, enable somebody who wants to volunteer. And Kate will pick up either message or I will. And then she will make a follow up so they can do either in the subject line need food or subject line want to volunteer. And then we'll reconnect with somebody and go you know, what's your, what's your schedule like and so forth. And she can tell you, cause the only thing we can, ex- we can't accept volunteers internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, our hope is, you know, that yeah. things will go well in, in a few months we can do, we'll be driving the cart again. And we had volunteers in t- inside the hospital doing all kinds of things, but we think again, and it's back to, um, if we have the money to do the food pharmacy, we'll do the food pharmacy. That's the only way, you know, um, that's, we, we're, we're a very tiny organization and we kind of work on a cash basis. Does that make sense? Money's in there. It's there. If it's not, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Not, there's no credit cards here. You know, yeah. if we have the money to buy the frozen turkeys and the vegetables and we do, and if we don't, we can't. And that's, it's where it's very simplistic but that way you stay out of trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no red ink. Yeah. No red ink here. So that and that's um am I giving you an idea of what we do or how we're doing? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. Perfect. We're learning a lot here. And, and you know, but, speaking of teams, um, we have a third co-host that we, we let do. our nine-year-old that we bring on to ask oh. one or two questions each guest. Yes. So Sandy's gonna go get him, him real quick. His name's Chris. Oh, he, he loves this part. And, and you know, and all that. And we've got to do a lot of things with our other show too, the Chris and Sandy show. So yeah. he's, you know, he's, you know, we've done over 350 interviews total and he's been on probably 95% of them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, while he's coming, is he, can I tell you one other story? So the other thing we've been doing that started last April is 
because we have frontline workers. Hi, mm -hmm. I'm Hi, Vernon. Hi, Vernon. So what's your favorite food? Say, say it one more time. What's your favorite food? I can't. I'm sorry. Your favorite food. Oh, my favorite food. <laughs> oh my gosh. My favorite food is, and you can only get it in the summer, is a real Van Ryten Tennessee tomato. Mm. And you can only get them. You can only get them in the summer, and that is my absolute. I'll eat as many as I can until tomatoes don't grow anymore. <laughs> so what is your favorite food? Mine's pizza. Pizza, yay! <laughs> Got it. Do you like cheese pizza, pepperoni, loaded? Uh, pepperoni. Good for you. A little bit of spice. <laughs> it usually says pepperoni and sauces because he likes both pepperoni and pepperoni and sauces. He does. Pepperoni this week. You want to ask me another question? Yes. What's your favorite TV show? My favorite TV show. Well, okay. My um, grandson, who's four, loves dinosaurs. And I decided I didn't know enough about dinosaurs to have a conversation when he knows the name of every dinosaur that's come down the pike at four. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for Christmas, they gave me, and I don't know how it is, but somehow I now have access to Netflix. Mm -hmm. Okay. And on Netflix, there are two shows that are learning more about dinosaurs. So wow. I'm as best as I can learning about um, plesiosaurs and megasaurs and titanosaurs. What was it? One was um, the they're 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 the titans of dinosaurs, and they found a bunch of them in Argentina. So I'm obviously I don't know all the names yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, he, he you know what's our other show, the Chris and Sandy show. He really loves that because we've been able to bring on. Um, many people from Nickelodeon onto the show. Oh, yeah. a lot of Nickelodeon. So it's been really cool. So do you like dinosaurs or dogs or any kind of animals? I like all of animals. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Well, so maybe sometime you and I can have a chat about dinosaurs because I need to look for places to learn. So <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks. I'm so glad to meet you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. He loves that part. He does. And our two-year-old little daughter, when she gets older, we'll be plugging her into our shows, too. We will. Okay, invite me back, because I want to have that chat, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, I was telling you about the, the, so because we have frontline workers, you know, who's really a, an extraordinary amount of effort. I mean, since last March, and certainly during the ice storm recently, people that were here for days, you know, mm -hmm. spending the night here. So the nicest thing is there were groups of people, agencies, national organizations that were really stepping forward for frontline workers. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it was, you know, food or hamburgers or snacks or whatever it might be. But of late, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to fumble because I cannot get the Greek letters right. I had a call from a lady who's has a local, um, adult women's uh, sorority, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember the name, but I want to give them credit because they said, she called me and she goes, our members can't think what to do 
to support frontline workers. And so we want to write handwritten thank you notes. Oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. And I said, great, just send them on. Well, have you ever seen one of those Harold Lloyd movies where like the transom over the door opens and like mail pours in over the door? Oh, yeah. It it, it was kind of like that. 400, 500 letters came from your members. And it was just more and but the and the joy for me and, and because we're not open yet is that I actually got to distribute those. So completely separate from that, um, we got a packet from um, Christ the King Middle School, which is over on Belmont Boulevard. And it was they had taken kind of like coloring book sheets, but they were like four different styles. But they all had to do with healthcare or healthcare workers and mm-hmm. a place where a student could write a message. And so we got, I don't know, a hundred and hundred plus of these hand colored sheets from, I think it was first to fourth grade. But wow. what was amazing, Chris and Sandy, was it not just that they were colored, but the messages these kids wrote mm-hmm. about their and their understanding of what a healthcare worker does and the challenges they face through COVID-19. COVID's probably really out that. It, it, it was, I mean, some of them were, they were poignant. Some of them were kind of funny and, you know, lighthearted. Some mm-hmm. of them were all, they had such empathy. I, I was so impressed wow. that a second grader could have this empathy for an adult in a profession they might not m- know much about. So, yeah. so we have these kind of side things that are going on that I, you know, I hope to keep going. We just, um, I, I was just at the wholesale floors near us and I just got 25 stems and we're starting a thing called blissful blossoms this afternoon. And we just, and they're like a dollar, but there's yeah. a plastic vial, you know, like I'm trying mm-hmm. to see, you can see, there you go. Cut about that size. And you put okay. water in it, you got a plastic cap and you put, oh, yes. yeah. So we just got, these really inexpensive flowers. And so every once in a while, we're just going to take 20 of them, just hand them out because the reaction that we got to the handwritten notes Mm -hmm. and the colored things from the kids was like, we got to find a way to keep this going. And first horizon helped you out recently too, ain't it? Yes. Oh, so thank you. First horizon. Oh my gosh. First (laughs) horizon. I'm remiss has been, so they have been a, a, since I've been here, a long-term supporter of the food pharmacy. Oh, wow. So it's oh, like a one-shot deal. They've really been there for us as far as support. Um, we um, One of their key members in the national community is Glenn Bradley. He's on our board. Glenn is one of those great guys that you could call and go, Glenn, I need a, and you fill in the blank, and he goes, okay. <laughs> wow. And he's 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 just he's thoughtful and thinking about us. And you can't add, so just to know him, board member or not. But so Glenn calls and he goes, "Well, I have a check for you." <laughs> Always like to hear that. Huh? That's good news. To my ears, great, Glenn. <laughs> and um, he said that they had been watching our progress and that they wanted to invest in some of the nonprofits in Middle Tennessee that had been, you know, shoring up the community. So we got this $30,000, I'm speechless. I was at the time, because he just said, I'm bringing you a check. Wow. I, I never in my wildest dreams did I think 
Glenn meant 30,000. <laughs> wow. Okay, you know, we're tiny. As I said, we're tiny. So those mm -hmm. whopper checks like this don't come along very often. But it's but it's because because of the check that we got from First Horizon that we're still, because I said to you, we can't do the food pharmacy unless there's funds to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty simple equation. And because Glenn walked in with that check and because First Horizon stepped up for the people that we serve, that we're still doing this at all. And it's, I and I, um, I can't thank them enough or Glenn I just thank Glenn for being Glenn. I mean, it's, you know, I realize First Horizon doesn't really have any any role in that except for recognizing that he's an awesome guy and they had the sense to, you know, keep him there. But, um, but yeah, First Horizon has been amazing. And I just want to thank him. Um, it's, I know they've got a stake in our community. They're certainly stepping up to be a part of the community in a most meaningful way. So it's, it's not just money it's people yeah. and so I, want, I just want to say thank you for their leadership and being there for us because it, it it couldn't happen either way so and let me thank the two of y'all if you don't mind because i know we're at the end but thank you one because i just got to know you which is awesome <laughs> at such point you know that you know the walls break down here i would love to have y'all just come see what we're doing mm -hmm. oh we would love and, to and bring everybody <laughs> yes <laughs> because i think even at nine you know you, you you start to understand what it means when somebody yeah. does food absolutely oh, yeah. so, mm -hmm. or and i'm hoping it's before he gets to be 12 that we can open the doors up. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, so, yes. I, I think that this fall and winter, we'll start to see a yeah, lot open up. And I think 22, I hope. really believe 2022 is going to be the year that we've been waiting on. Yes. <laughs> From concerts to everything. Yes, In fact, live, that, that big concert thing, Live Nation, just wrote an article the other day talking about that they predict that mid to late summer concerts will be back. I was yeah. kind of surprised at that, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, this year, yeah, and, and, some CMA, and we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna give you one last factoid on on okay. um, health insecurity for for, for y'all to contemplate. So Feeding America, you know, is the the the, the national guru, right, on what's happening. Yeah. Oh yes. And um, <clears throat> before COVID, kind of the standing fact was one out of ten households in America had food insecurity. Well, oh wow! And they oh, revised fun. that number um, this fall to one out of six. Wow! So, you know, I'm thinking so. That's a big shift. That is a, a so big the shift. number. So that one out of six sounds like a smaller number, but you realize that the percentage that represents means. So, you know, we all kind of started looking at each other. Long about April or May, we went. Are, is this COVID and a tornado, or have we just? peeled back something that's always been there and we're all just getting smacked in the face with it. True. Mm -hmm. And I kind of where we settled and this was a part of the discussion of the health literacy forum is we don't, we don't know that we know yet, you know, because yeah. the impact of COVID is, it's not a, well, everybody's vaccinated. So things are back to normal. It's, it's going to be an, it's going to be at least five years for we get, I mean, there's so many, even, even when things seem normal, People are going to be scared to really get face to face. I mean, there's so the the drawbacks to the depression, the alcoholism, 
the drugs and alcohol that while people were down are going to come out down the road. Right. So and people not going and getting so, the medical services. So we won't really need. see the true yeah. effects probably for five or 10 years. Yeah. And the economic impact the setbacks on families that had two income. That's a lot of who we were serving as far as families were two income, um, hardworking parents that between the two of them lost both their jobs. Yeah. And can you imagine that? And you've got four kids to feed and you're like, Where's it going to come from? And that's why we're we feel like it's it's a, it's going to be slow because where the, their jobs, wherever their jobs were, are they still there? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. it's so so anyway. That's my parting shot. Is I don't I don't know that if everybody in Nashville got vaccinated, I still feel like we're going to be doing the food pharmacy. I know we'll be doing food pharmacy. Period. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. we still have people with chronic disease. The outreach part is going to be one dependent on money and where the need is. And I think the need's still going to be there. I wish it wasn't, but I don't see any way around it. So, yeah. So, as we come to a close here, tell everybody how they can reach out to your organization. Yes. Okay. So, um, if they want to volunteer or need somebody or want to help, food at nashvillehaorg We also have a website, which is truncated because it was too long. <laughs> so we're Nashville General Hospital Foundation. That's that's a mouthful. Our yeah. website is Nash, N-A-S-H, shortened, gen, G-E-N, foundation.org, nashgenfoundation.org. And there are places there to volunteer, um, donate, you know, seek a way to recommend for food. Um, look at other programs that we're doing because we didn't talk about all of them. <laughs> Can you believe that? We didn't talk about all of them. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, at some point when y'all can come, because um, we'll talk about our the National General Hospital Art Foundation art collection, which sounds pretty highfalutin, but it's a pretty important part of service. Oh, to wow. So, but Love you need that. to come with your stream yard and your camera, and we can walk around and show you why it matters and what it does. Oh, um, we definitely will. Yeah. So come <laughs> bring everybody and we'll look at the food pharmacy and we'll, I'll show you what happens when art matters to patients. Sounds great. <laughs> so, good. you know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today and we, we look did. forward to having you back down the road. Yes. Thank you. So the sooner, anytime, whatever. And if I think anybody else that would be friend for you, I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll send, I've got Chris's email. I'll send it to you. So again, thank you. Thank First Horizon and y'all stay safe. You too.